We are in the middle of a four-week teaching series. We're on week three of how it started, how it's growing. You've seen the memes maybe of how it started, how it's going online, but we're going to be talking about spiritual growth again today through the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. So I'm going to invite you right now. There should be a Bible in the book rack where you can power on your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read those same nine verses, and we're going to look at the third of the soils this morning. As you're turning there, you know, I'm pumped for this morning. I believe God's going to do something special during our time. And yeah, come on now. Uh, We are also going to be sharing some really cool information. If you're new to Mercy Road, we started this process two and a half years ago of rather than uh, building a bigger building and drawing people here to this uh, facility to send people out, hundreds of people out in four different directions to plant four new Mercy Road churches, all a part of the church planting network called Multiply Indiana, which you haven't heard about Multiply Indiana recently. It's really cool what the Lord is doing with that. It's incredible. Uh, But the fourth and final church plant is happening in Anderson in Madison County, and it's coming up. Uh, We shared a couple months ago that we were eventually going to be given a facility It was supposed to happen on March 31st, but God's timing is really cool. It's not going to happen until uh, the middle of June now, so be praying for that. And we're going to give you some details about some things coming up between now and June for the Anderson location later in this message. Okay, that said, are you ready to study God's Word together? Come on now. If you you missed, this is going to be a fun service, I can tell already. If you missed last week, in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, uh, Jesus now has been growing very large crowds. They're coming out to hear him. And at one point in Matthew 6, he gives a sermon on the mount in front of all these people. Now he's going to have to get in a boat because so many people are coming out to hear his message. It says this, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While the people stood there on the shore, then he told them many things in parables or stories. Now, I taught on a lot of this last week, so I'm not going to go into the details. We're going to focus on verse 7, which is the third of the four soils. But the analogy here is God is the farmer or the sower, and, and we are the soil. And there are four different types of soil here. And I know most of us would like to think we're the fourth fertile good soil, but the reality is at times we could be all of them. And so I'm not always this morning talking about if you're having difficulties in your life that you don't know Jesus or you don't have salvation. So hear that. But this uh, example, it it tells us the reason this is important. If you could actually become uh, soil that is healthy, that you could see God use your life to make an impact. 30, 60, or 100 fold. We'll look at the very end. But there are things that often prevent that from occurring. And so he uses this analogy. A farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Those are the first two soils, the first week. The enemy, the birds represented there, that the seed of the gospel is planted in our life, and the enemy comes to take it away from us. Because people have trodden over that path, we're too hardened in our lives to allow the Lord to take root. Or last week, we looked at the rocky soil, that it's kind of shallow soil and it grows quickly, but because there is stuff in our life that needs to be removed, these rocks in our life, we never see spiritual growth. It grows quickly and then withers and dies because it's not deeply rooted and planted into our lives. Well, this next one for this week, at verse 7, the third soil, 
Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. The main idea I want to share with you this morning is don't let life's thorns constrict your faith. I believe Jesus is getting at some particular things here because he'll define it in verse 22 later on. And so we're only looking at a couple of verses in Matthew 13 and using that as a launching pad to talk about these thorns or thorn bushes that grow up and squelch the spiritual growth in our life. Verse 8, still others, this is for next week's seed fell on the good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Again, the farmer is spreading the seed sparingly because he knows that if just one seed takes root, the potential is a 30, 60, or 100-fold yield. That is an incredible bumper crop. And I said last week, if you're like, I want that 100, it doesn't really matter because any of them are a great investment and that your potential for how God could use your life to make an impact, the spiritual growth that could occur over time is incredible, probably way beyond what you could even envision at this current state in your life. So as we dive into this, I want us to ask the Lord, what in my life might be squelching or choking out what the Lord wants to do? Will you pray with me? God, uh, we just pause. I thank you again for all these people. And we just acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit here with us. For those attending online, that you're with them right where they're at. And God, I pray that you take my words away. Um, I'm just a guy from a small town in Indiana, God. And I often don't feel, I often don't feel that uh, the authority to even share some of these things into people's lives, Lord. And I know that you are living and active and your power and grace are sufficient. And so I know that there are people here right now that if they just took some of these steps, the spiritual growth in their life could change the course of human history and change all of eternity. And, and God, I feel like at the last service, I didn't even do justice to what you want to share. And so I just, I pray, God, that if there's somebody here right now that their, their faith is not growing, probably a lot of us, that we could just have the honesty and vulnerability to uh, receive that information. God, speak to us, to our souls this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I shared in the weekly e-newsletter, if you don't receive that e-newsletter, you'd like to just fill out a connect card, write your email on it. But I shared that, and don't judge me, I hate snakes. Anybody out there agree with me? Praise the Lord for this service. The last service, it was like I was talking about Bambi. They were like, oh, don't talk negative about this. How many of you love snakes? You just love a few of you that need prayer this morning. Anybody love cats? Anybody love cats? Well, okay, more prayer for this side of the room. I, I don't know what it is, uh, you know, just about snakes. I, I have a healthy fear of them. The truth is, uh, I was taking a group of high schoolers on a five-day trip into the wilderness as a camp counselor when I was a young adult talking about Jesus and had a rattlesnake, a huge rattlesnake. I don't know how big. It's probably at least 80 feet long, but it <laughs> jumped out. Of us. I've been scared of them ever since. Like, I don't like snakes. And I'll tell you, uh, my biggest fear, right, is actually not the rattlesnake or the thing that's going to bite you. That might be painful, but the slow, the, the python or the boa constrictor wrapping itself around me. No, I'm the only one. 
like just that giant snake, like just, and I can't move, and then I'm, I'm stuck, and I can't do, and I shared this, and he was like, I put my heart out there, and a, a godly woman in our church at the first service sent me an email with a video of a woman who thought it would be cool to show how she loved pythons, and then it killed her. How did I ask for that? I was like, I just said I didn't like snakes, so like I, I have a fear, and I'm admitting that. And I share that because, uh, you know, like that, that whole concept of like not being able to move and, and if slowly constricting my airway, like just freaks me out. What, what, what spiritually I believe Jesus is talking about here is not snakes. I'm just using that as an analogy. And you're like, that is God's creation. You shouldn't talk. Okay, I get it. But the thorns in our lives, spiritually speaking, can begin to grow up around us, and sometimes we're not even aware at first. It doesn't feel that tight. We're just kind of like, oh, this is fun. And over time, it begins to suffocate and squelch the spiritual growth and what the Lord wants to do in our life. Especially, man, I believe this in today's culture where some of the things that we're going to talk about, uh, these I, I'm going to call them idols, are so much easier and accessible because of... YouTube videos, because of information that we can find from any source unchecked online. And that in, in right now, in today, in our culture, that these are causing us to get askew from focusing on the Lord first and foremost and seeking his kingdom first, like Jesus tells us to in scripture. That instead of having the freedom that we read about in the New Testament in Christ, most of us walk around in fear, anxiety, and worry, believing we need more money and more things and more possessions to make ourselves happy. We live for the next goal or ambition. We live to be accepted by other people, or we live to escape all the problems of this world. And none of those are the ways of Jesus. The way of Jesus is love that enters in incarnationally into the difficulties in the world. And no matter whether things go well, as we talked about last week, or things go horribly wrong, the Lord is the same Lord, and he is with us. And only when we have that type of spiritual mentality, when we have the heart change, that in the good and the bad, we're going to be okay, only then are we truly free in this life. And, and I believe Jesus' desire for us as Christians is to be free in him. And so if I ask you with a simple question, are you free this morning? Do you have a peace as you're facing the hard things in this life? Can you honestly say yes to that? That's what I want to get to, that we could be free in Christ. And the first point I want to make this morning through uh, Matthew 13 is those thorns, don't let worry suffocate your faith. Don't let worry suffocate your faith. The, the, the definition for Matthew 13, 7, we find in verse 22, Jesus defines it. So we don't have to go, what did he mean by that? He says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life. It's the first point we're going to look at. The worries of this life choke the word, making it unfruitful. Anybody in here struggle with worrying sometimes? I, I'm, I am uh, amazed at how much this issue of worry and anxiety and fear, even before a global pandemic, was owning so many of our Christian lives that we lived in fear of what could happen and the what ifs in this world. 
And Jesus says that the worries of this life will choke what God has planted and you won't see the fruit of what he wants to occur happen. And you'll never experience the 30, 60, or 100-fold yield of the spiritual growth in your life and how God uses you to sow into other people's lives. Because we will always be worrying about what if. And, and look, uh, I, I lived in more of an urban context for a number of years in Southern California. I lived uh, growing up in a small rural community. And so having moved here, I'm understanding in uh, Hamilton County and in North Indianapolis, suburban culture Worry is extremely prevalent. You would think the opposite, right? You would think, oh, they have financial resources. They must not worry as much. But what I feel, fear, or see, especially parents, you worry all the time about every little detail. Any helicopter parents in the room point to them right now? You know who they are? Like, you just worry like, what, what if they don't make the varsity? What if, what if she forgets to turn her assignment in? What if he doesn't know how to wipe his own bottom? I don't know what I'm going to do, right? Like this is the, like we just get overwhelmed about what could and what if. And we, we, and some of us, like we begin to watch things online about certain presidents previously or currently, or at some point in human history, about certain administrations or about certain things happening. And then we watch another video about it. And then we watch another video about it and another video. And we never check what the Bible says or whether these people know Jesus. We just, we follow all these. The next thing we know, we've watched 12 different videos. We spent two hours and we can't go to sleep at night because we're freaked out that everything's going to fall apart in the world. You been there? I, I want to tell you, I have heard in the last year with the pandemic, that particular scenario about 300 times. And I'm not making that up. Because we're so worried about what could happen to us. And look, I don't want to make light of any concern. There are real problems in the world. We really do and have had a a terrible virus that has killed half a million people just in our country. We really do have issues and fears and political discussions that need to be had. And we really have issues of injustice that need to be addressed, as we have discussed many times. Like, those are very real So don't hear me that there shouldn't be concerns that causes us to be used by the Lord to change the culture around us. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when the worry causes us to fixate on things rather than seek God's kingdom first, that that has become an idol in our lives. If you can't sleep at night, if you can't go to work, if if you can't Uh, see someone face to face because you are concerned about these things. That's when you know it's become an issue in your life. And I want to encourage you, uh, first of all, I don't think that just a sermon today is going to radically change every aspect of your life. I believe the power of the spoken word of God, absolutely. But I also want to encourage you, sometimes we just need to see a wise Christian counselor. We need to get into a group to talk about these things. That's what discipleship huddles are designed for. For one to three years, you're in a group of People just uh, dealing with the junk in our lives, the rocks in our soil, the thorns that are trying to squelch our faith. And we're asking the Lord to help us be healthy spiritually so that we could see that bumper yield he desires in our life. That's the way we've designed the whole church. If you've never seen our engagement pathway, part of it is for the many, many, many of you who have gone through Rooted already, we want to encourage you, if you've never been in a huddle or an outpost, uh, we could put the graphic up there. Uh, I want to encourage you to consider joining one of these things. And in particular, the huddle 
If you've already been through Rooted, but you need to deal with some of the worries, they're, they're real worries. I'm not making light of them. And you need to talk through things over the course of one to three years. Or for some of you, like we need to go see a wise Christian counselor. And if you can't afford it, we'll pay for it for you. We're that serious about it. We're not going to have healthy soil and become the people God wants us to be if we keep allowing worry and other items in our life to be destructive and squelch out that spiritual growth. You know, I, uh, just this week, you know, maybe you started mowing your lawn for the first time. I, I walked by uh, one of the flower beds and I saw there's like weeds everywhere. It's like, where did that come from? You know, it just all of a sudden just pops. You don't realize it. And sometimes when thorns are growing up in your life, you don't even realize it's happening until you start talking to somebody about it. This stuff matters. We can worry and freak out about things that maybe the Lord wants to encourage us in, and it's become an idol. And look what Jesus said. So if you don't hear my words, please hear Jesus' words here in Matthew 6. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, he said this about worry, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. It is not more than food and body, more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? The people he's speaking to were worried about where their next meal would come sometimes. They were worried about whether they would have clothes to wear. They weren't the things that we were worrying about today. These are very real, tangible things. And so he's he's telling them, uh, verse 27, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. People who don't have the supernatural peace of God in their life run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. So it says, verse 33, here's the solution. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You're like, oh, okay. Just seek Jesus. Like, again, I'm not making light of anything, but when he says to seek his kingdom first, I really believe that that is the first step that we should do as Christians because he told us to. He goes on in verse 34, he says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I I had Lisa say something to me, uh, my wife, as I was preparing this message that kind of struck me. I was surprised because, you know, when you're in marriage, it is a constant moral superiority struggle. You know what I'm saying? And she said the nicest thing to me that I was just like, wow. I mean, she probably normally says nice things to me, but I was just, she said, you know, Josh, you, you struggle with many things, and I do, but the, the worry one isn't one of them. I'm sure I worry like other people at times, but I, I realized, like, I was like, there's some truth to that, and I was like, well, is there something wrong with me? <laughs> Should I worry more? But then I, I began to realize, like, we lost a child, we moved across the country because of a prayer. We've seen God prov- provide for us, take care of us, advance his kingdom in our lifetime, fulfill everything he said in that prayer, and use the death of our son to impact people's lives for eternity. And so I have began to go, you know, 
I cannot change things. The Lord can change things. And I just need to trust whether things are going well or things are going bad. As we talked about last week, he's going to be with me and it's going to be used for his glory. You know, when I was 23 years old, uh, I, I became a Christian like uh, around 20, 21 years old. And at 23 years old, I had moved to California. I was going to seminary and I started working at a, a mega church in Southern California. And I had just been on staff a short time. I was a junior high pastor, didn't know what I was doing. And they asked me to preach at one of the main services for thousands of people. And, and you might think, hey, Josh, it's, it, it's easy for you to get up and do that. No, not at all. I was freaked out of my mind. I always had been preaching. I was always freaked out. I would get worried and I breathe and I didn't know what to do. And, I, and I, it was just how it was until I went some of, through some of these hardships. And then I began to realize like that all that worry didn't change anything. Most of you aren't going to remember 90% of what I say anyway. <laughs> and I need to stop caring what I care about you and I care about people, but I, I don't need to, to care about what people think. I need to care. Of, am I faithful to God? Am I faithful to you? And that's it. And like that type of mentality, being faithful to God and faithful to you, I, I believe over time and practice and enduring hard things in life, you will begin to worry less. I, I want to spend more time on worry because I feel like that is a big issue in our culture today. And I, and I don't want to underemphasize because you can find so many things out there to worry about online. I didn't realize some of you, you watch Instagram stories like it's your life. And you'll watch hours of them every night and hear all kinds of crazy things. And then you're freaked out about it. Go to the Lord. Seek his kingdom first. Get other believers to walk with you. See a wise Christian counselor. Finally, number two, to be free in Christ, don't let worry suffocate your faith, but don't let money or wealth suffocate your faith. Some of you are like, that's easy because I don't have any. <laughs> but just a second, this is not a message. Jesus is not talking to multimillionaires and billionaires in this passage. He's talking to first century Israelites who had much less than you do. So when he addresses it, he's not talking about that money is bad. If you have money, that that's wrong. And that if you don't have money, that you're godly. Having or not having money is indifferent. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's, it's the heart. It's the love. It's the desire. It's the pursuit. Are you seeking his kingdom first or something else? See, he says this in verse 22 again. Remember, he defined the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word of God, making it unfruitful. That you don't see the 30, 60, and 100 fold yield in your life, the spiritual growth and impact, because the deceitfulness of wealth tells us if we just had a little bit more, we would finally be happy. Now, look, I can tell you, uh, I've made some choices in my life that were giving up financial resources, and so it'd be easy for me to say that I've got all this figured out. But I, I was, again, telling my wife as we were processing this, I told her, you know, that one, the older I've gotten, there are times in my life, because we have three kids, one's going to be a teenager soon, and it's expensive. And I tell myself in my head sometimes, in my human nature, if we just had more money... Things would be better for our family. Now, it might be easier, right? Like, it might be easier. I'm not downplaying that. But, but easier isn't what the, Jesus is after when he says this. The, the, the pursuit, the desire, the, the idea that if I had more wealth or money, then my family would be better and happier, 
that is not of the Lord. That's what the enemy would teach me. He would tell me that. Just live for those things. Don't seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first your own kingdom and your own righteousness and your own financial portfolio so that you could provide out of your hard work for your family and friends. Now, the Lord loves hard work. And again, nothing wrong with resources. Uh, money is not bad, but it's the heart. Look, look how Jesus defines this in Matthew 6, again, on that Sermon on the Mount. In verse 19, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You've probably heard it said before. You never see a U-Haul behind the hearse because you're not taking it with you. So why live for something that's not going to last? Instead of investing it in kingdom purposes. But look down to verse uh, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Underline or circle the word money there. This is really important. And uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and frankly, all the New Testament, is written in Koine Greek. It was the common Greek language that people used within the Roman Empire at the time. But that word money is not written in Koine Greek. It is written in Aramaic. Aramaic is what the Jewish community at the time spoke. So the fact that this one word, they used the Aramaic word instead of the Greek word, we could very easily discern is very important. And that word is the word mammon. And it does mean money or wealth, but it also means comfort. And and that definition changes a little bit. It's not just the acquisition of more property. It's the heart issue behind it that what we really desire is greater comfort. And here's the key part. I can't speak for you, but for many of us as human beings, we often, rather than pursuing our comfort, our, our, our solace, our ability to rest in the Lord, we look to find it in our own acquisition of wealth. That's mammon. That if I just had more, I would be happier and I would be comfortable and I would be okay. But the problem is some of us get successful at it and then we get comfortable and then we get fearful of doing what the Lord wants and seeking his kingdom first because we might lose this comfortability. See, the the heart issue is what Jesus is after here, that this could dramatically impede us from serving the Lord in the ways that we want. And for some of us, it's not just for millionaires and billionaires. For some of us that we feel like we don't have enough, we will often go out and get a second and third job, which I'm not telling you, we got to survive, right? But if we don't first go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, is this your desire first? Am I seeking your kingdom first? We often get so busy and distracted chasing all of these things, we never see God work in our life the way that we desired and maybe had something else that didn't leave us so exhausted and tired. See, this is the hard part of discerning spiritual growth in our life of what is of God and what's not of God. But mammon is a very real temptation, and you see it in American Christianity all the time. It's why we have consumerist Christians so often in our culture that we are like in a cafeteria selection process. I have a little bit of this passage and a little bit of that passage, but that part's hard. I don't want that part. I'm going to avoid that. I just want the nice things that bring good things to my life. Rather than going, there is going to be good and bad in following the Lord. There is going to be comfort and discomfort. There's going to be sacrifice in times of celebration, and I'm going to serve the Lord in both Because no matter what I face, the peace of the Lord is with me. That's the heart change that that we must discern. 
that's really why we started this whole process of planting these churches that I mentioned earlier. And now uh, for some important information. See, we have been given this property, and praise God, we actually won't gain, uh, uh, actually own it until June at some time. Because the second we own it, we have to start paying for a small things, uh, you know, utility stuff on the property. And, and, and we've said, as the board decided by taking this property, we do have to do a, a large renovation and we would not start that renovation until the funds are there because we don't want to overextend ourselves financially and then do something. We teach you to be good stewards and then we just go out and do silly things. So because of that, um, I just want to celebrate, first of all, if you're new to the church, we started two and a half years ago this crazy idea to raise $3 million and send these churches out in different directions. And we bought two buildings for them, and God is expanding his kingdom. And we saw th- almost three times as many baptisms in 2020 as we did in 2019. Because we didn't say, let's just build a bigger thing and make it easier for people to attend church. We sent people out to live on mission and impact their communities, and they're seeing people come to know Jesus, follow him in baptism, being discipled, and then being sent back out on mission. It's what you read in the New Testament. It's not that hard. It's, a, it's messy. It's not that hard. And so this whole idea of going to Anderson, a community that everyone we have talked to so far is overwhelmingly excited for us to do this. We had more people at the initial launch team than we anticipated. And for those in the room or attending online who are going to be a part of the launch of the Anderson Church, we're going to need you on May 19th. Because on May 19th, we're putting a stake in the ground. And we have decided that our goal was by the end of the year for the resources to come in. But in true Mercy Road, God nature, uh, we decided we don't want to have this property just sit there. We want to begin as soon as possible. And so we're putting a stake on the ground on May 19th, that by May 20th, we will have raised the remaining resources. Now, I got to tell you, first of all, I want to celebrate you all have already sacrificed, many of you over the last two and a half years, $2.3 million to make all of that happen. And, and, and dude, if you're like, what? That's a lot of money. I came from a small town. I, I don't have vision for this. I'm going to be honest. I've told people this. I've had to follow some people because like, these are big numbers to me. But what, what we found is this last 695000 or so, that 100% of that is going to go to the Anderson Church. And we want to raise those resources. And so we're putting on a 12-hour event online. We've never done something like this. There's a very good chance this is the worst idea we've ever come up with. <laughs> but sometimes the Lord uses it, and we just thought, why not? What's it going to hurt? And so uh, we're doing the first ever Mercy Road Megathon. <laughs> if you're like, what is a megathon? That's a really good question. So we made this very short informational video to explain it to you. Let's watch this together. Coming soon on May 19th, Wednesday, 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 Mercy Road Church presents Megathon. It's like a telethon, only mega. The finale of the Compassion Campaign, live online for 12 hours. It's a Eric Maitland, although short in stature, will indeed be providing large amounts of entertainment for this event of epic proportions. Wednesday, May 19, Megathon 2021, live on Facebook. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. 
I'm telling you, I haven't cared all morning whether anybody, I just, I keep laughing the entire time. Can we thank Megan and the creative team? Because I don't know how they come up with this stuff. And if you thought that was ridiculous, wait till the 12 hours. Because first of all, that video explained absolutely nothing, did it? But on May 19th from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., we are going live on Facebook, MercyRoad.tv and YouTube Live, and we're actually having a digital telethon of a live event. There are going to be worship, all the worship teams from all the churches are going to be doing segments on it. We're going to have actual just entertainment uh, bands that are professional bands that are just going to be playing. We're going to have all kinds of uh, stories. If you've had, if the Lord has used Mercy Road to impact your life, we'd love to get your story. Email us info at mercyroad.cc. We're going to have all kinds of content just to celebrate what the Lord is doing and have a lot of entertainment and fun. And we're going to pray that God would actually see those resources come in by the end of that day. It's crazy. I know it. We're already beginning to say for some of you, if you have the ability to and you would like to supply any matching grants ahead of time, we've already had one matching grant, large one come in. And anybody else that just has a heart for that, we don't want anything from you. Come here as long as you want. Never give a dime. But for those who are saying, like, I don't want to live for mammon. I want to sacrifice to advance the kingdom. Here is one simple way that you could do that. The, the, the final point, the third and final point as the band is uh, going to be coming out here is this, that we can be free in Christ because Christ's grace is sufficient. That whatever the thorns are in your life that you think you could never prevent, the Lord's grace is sufficient to overcome those things. See, in verse 7 again, it said, the seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. But the seed in this passage never got to grow because those thorns were, were destructive and squelched it out. And I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he's not referencing this passage that we're looking at, but a reference that he has a, a thorn in his side here. It says, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I have given a thorn, uh, I've been given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, we don't know for sure what the thorn in Paul's side here is. The one thing we know with certainty is it was a spiritual attack from the enemy. I believe that this was something that was trying to keep Paul from living out his mission and calling in life. Doing the very thing that we're talking about in this passage, getting to throw in the towel to allow the, the thorns to grow up and squelch and overwhelm him so that he wouldn't fulfill his calling in his life. And right now the enemy has the same plan for you. And he's going to use mammon in your life to get you distracted. He's, he's going to use worry in your life as an idol to keep you from seeking his kingdom first. And if we understood that his grace was sufficient for us, we could actually experience the freedom that, that he tells us about. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again by the yoke of slavery. That you will serve those idols in your life until you surrender it over to them. And you'll never see the spiritual growth you really desire. Your life will look the same way three decades from now as it does today. I hate to tell you that, but, but that is the most uh, American and Western Christians that is the reality for most of us. We look the same 50 years later because we don't address the things that are keeping us from growing spiritually. Psalm 119.45, the psalmist writes, I will walk about in freedom for I have sought out your precepts. You've 
heard God's word this morning, his precepts, are you free? And if you can't say that in the good and in the bad that you could walk with peace, not with questions or concerns, that's natural, but, but not make them idols of worry and not make it an idol of seeking mammon first in our lives, but to truly be free to follow and seek God's kingdom wherever it leads you. You will never grow into the person God created you to be until you find that freedom. And so I want to give you the, the opportunity to begin that process this morning by acknowledging the thorns in your life and saying, God, your grace is sufficient. I need you. Pray with me. God, I thank you for every person in this room. And God, I know that I'm not sufficient to even pre- preach this message because I need you. But God, uh, you are. You are Jesus. And so right now, we just acknowledge the things in our life that have squelched our spiritual growth. Maybe you could think of it right now. Maybe you've been living for your own comfort and you've been afraid to take the risk God is calling you to. Maybe you've been uh, living for that if you just had a husband or a wife, you would finally be able to serve the Lord, but he wants you to serve the Lord now. Maybe you've been worrying about things going on in the world and you have rightful concerns or even fighting for justice, which the Lord loves, but, but you don't have that peace that no matter what happens this side of heaven, you're going to be okay because he's with you and that you just need to seek his kingdom first. And so this morning, if you acknowledge those thorns, pray this with me. God, I, I repent of anything in my life that's an idol. I surrender everything to you entirely. Make me spiritually healthy. Help me to have that bumper yield, God. I want want to grow in my faith. I want to be used. I want to see people come to know you through my life. We surrender everything to your Lordship, Jesus. We pray this in your name and all of God's family said, amen. Amen.